I help lead the Oaks Community Church. Today I'd like to talk about what Jesus did and in this regard particularly I want to have a look at how Jesus um, moved in the whole area of motivation and values. To do this I'm going to be looking at chapter one in Mark's Gospel, his account of how Jesus behaved and we're going to draw out hopefully some of the salient features of that behaviour. But first I want to say a little bit about values, why they are important and indeed what they are. Well, some people refer to them as morals or motivations, but values, they're roughly all similar words and they point to something which guides our behaviour. They're all over the media at the moment, and that's because we have a Prime Minister who has recently resigned amid allegations, some founded, some as yet perhaps unfounded. We don't know, maybe we'll never know. But nevertheless, they point towards a lack of personal character in a particular area. For a long time now, it's been very convenient to turn a blind eye to the misdemeanours of politicians lying and cheating in various ways in their personal lives simply because it shouldn't and wouldn't impinge on their political job. Well, now the roosters are starting to, to return. <laughs> They're starting to come home to roost. This is not a party political statement. In fact, it's not a political statement at all. It applies to everybody in all walks of life. It's precisely because people act immorally in their personal lives that they do so subsequently in their political or professional lives. If you lie or cheat in your personal life, you'll find you're doing the same whether it's in politics, business, a profession or whatever walk of life you work in. You don't start cheating or lying in professional life if you don't do that in your personal life. In fact, it's the other way around. It's precisely because you do that in your personal life and get away with it that in your professional life, you give it a chance and see if you can do the same. It's a character issue. It's a matter of moral values or whatever you care to call it is irrelevant in actual fact. Integrity requires values. Now, as Christians, we have values. We are going to go through those in a moment, but it's our beliefs that guide our values and it's our values which guides our behaviour. We could draw up a whole list of individual values, but in actual fact, we tried that many years ago and came out with a huge list. But there are four key values which underlie everything else. They are the core and they are, first of all, a high regard for God. Second, a high regard for other people. Third, a high regard for yourself. And fourth, sacrificial love. And it's these four fundamental values which motivate all of our behaviours. They guide and can stand to correct our behaviours as well. And where we fall short of those best behaviours, it's often because we've lost sight of or forgotten one or more of those values. So let's have a look. I'm going to start reading from Mark 
chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. You see, people of integrity carry moral authority. They speak and what they say is totally aligned to not just their values, but their behaviour as well. There is no hypocrisy. There is no room between the two of them. They speak to more than simply the mind and the heart. They actually speak into people's spirit. And that is where moral integrity is weighed by other people. So Jesus taught with such authority. Now, the question is, Jesus being the son of God, was that a godly attribute? Well, the answer is no. Jesus laid down all his godly attributes when he came to this earth, when the incarnation took place. So it's not because he had any authority as God. Jesus was acting purely in moral authority because he lined up his personal beliefs, values and behaviour and spoke about those things as an integrated whole. So he also had some spiritual authority, not by any sort of call on his godliness, but he had spiritual authority because he simply identified who he was in God and reflected that image here on earth. He walked in obedience and humility with the Holy Spirit, and those things are equally available to us as well. So Jesus had moral authority. He exercised that as he spoke. The crowd recognised that, but it was because of his character, because of his values, because his behaviour, all of those were aligned. Mark goes on. Just then, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they each asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. You see, Jesus delivers the man. This is partly because he has a high regard for others. That regard for human dignity. I think the fact that this particular human was being possessed by a spirit, a malign demon, that infuriated Jesus, that offended him, that offended his sense of human dignity. And for that reason, I think Jesus was well motivated to deliver the man. But also, and perhaps more so, Jesus had love for this individual. This was a man who was suffering, a man in his presence who was manifesting. And for that reason, out of love, Jesus also delivered him. 
You see, the two go hand in hand. High regard for others and sacrificial love, you can't separate those in that sense. So there we see the values and the behaviour of Jesus aligning. Mark goes on to say news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. You can well imagine, and this is just setting Jesus up for another problem a little bit later. Mark 29 to 34. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. So again, Jesus heals because of a high regard for other people. He sees Simon's mother-in-law, she's sick, she's in trouble in that sense, and he delivers her to health this time, and because he has a high regard. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because he knew who he was. The whole town, the whole town. Now this is about high regard, sure, but now we're getting into sacrificial love in a big way, aren't we? You can imagine that he and his disciples were incredibly tired. It was late. They really wanted to be in bed or at least having a good supper together. But still the crowds kept coming with more and more and more. And what motivates Jesus here isn't simply a regard for other people, but it is also a love. Two things, I think, a love of the individuals before him, but also a love to be doing his father's work. And so we here we start to see that high regard for God, his father, as well. Mark goes on, verses 35 to 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And here we see Jesus living out that high regard for God. This is an early morning. This is getting up while it was still dark, even though he'd gone to bed really late and really tired the night before. And before the day starts, he's putting God number one. He's put making that his highest priority before everything else. And so here we see a high regard for God his Father again, lived out in the behaviours of his life carries on. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So Jesus here is showing a regard for himself and not just for himself but also for his disciples. It would be easy to get overrun by demand and and worn down and then he wouldn't he wouldn't be as effective so he's looking to himself he's looking to ensure that there is high regard for his own well-being in that sense and those of his companions 
So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And so we see that Jesus's need to preserve self, to have that high regard of self through rest and recuperation, doesn't actually cause him to shrink back from the ministry. Rather, he's using that time of rest and recuperation to recharge and come back doing even more of what he wants to do, the work his father's given him. It's not something which gets in the way. He doesn't put his, his need for self, that regard for himself, above and beyond all the other values. It's kept in a reasonable balance with the others. And then we go on the final portion, verses 40 and 41. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus's actions belie his high regard for other people. And notice that Jesus was indignant. He was moved with compassion. He, he touched the man, something that no rabbi would ever do. Well, first of all, it was below them. And secondly, that in those days, touching a leper was a dangerous thing. Not only spiritually do you get contaminated, but potentially bacteriologically you could also get infected as well. It was contagious through touch. But Jesus here just wants to communicate love and it was sacrificial. And so he reaches out and touches this man. He's indignant, incensed that the man would think that Jesus wouldn't want to do this for him. And so he communicates that heart, that love, that compassion, that care, and ultimately that healing to the man with leprosy and heals him. I hope through a very simple reading of, I don't know, a few paragraphs in Mark's, Mark's gospel, you get an impression of how Jesus lived his life and how all of his behaviours actually come out of his values. And his values, in, in a sense, we've not looked at those deeply, but those come out of his beliefs. And it's the same for us as well. Now, values are too easily unseen and become easily forgotten, as I've hinted at before. And when we do that, we don't live to our best potential. We don't behave as we should. Yet they are determined by our beliefs and in turn shape our behaviour. So we need to elevate and bring back into the front of our consciousness those four precious values. They will help us in our Christian walk. So just to repeat them again, a high regard for God, a high regard for others, a high regard for oneself and sacrificial love. If we can embrace all of those and understand how they, they lead to the internal decisions, often subconscious, that drive our behaviours, we will find our walk being much more like that of Jesus. And so to finish, Jesus said, this is Mark 12 verses 30 and 31, and he was saying this in reply to what's the most important commandment. He said, 
love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And I think that about says it all. So thanks for listening and goodbye.